Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And that silence is golden because that means there is no call in this week. Instead of berating the listeners like I have been accused of in the past when I've been left by myself for a week, um, I am going to have a couple of really awesome guests on here for you. Um, First part of the show here, guys, uh, Elite 11 just wrapped up. Uh, so we had uh, David at Solving Football uh, was was there to take in the action. Uh, so uh, we talked for, for 15 minutes or so about um, who looked good, who maybe didn't look so good, and just what it was like to be in an Elite 11 um, uh, with so many uh, big names, uh, evaluators, and, and talented players. And then on the back half of the show, guys, I uh, a couple weeks ago went on the Debbie Devotional podcast. Uh, with uh, Aaron Wilcox and uh, Dynasty Coach A. Um, so now they are coming onto my home turf and, and joining me here. We're going to talk about a startup draft that they are both in together. Um, uh, John has never done a draft before. Aaron has. So uh, we get to talk about their experience here through the first couple of rounds. Uh, and then just some uh, some players maybe that they're, they are buying or fading here uh, over the next couple of years. Um, thanks you guys for, for joining in here this week. Uh, and just to get it out of the way here, if you have not purchased our CFF guide yet, it released this week, go ahead and do that. Uh, 231 pages, I believe. Um, this guide is quite frankly, amazing, uh, has full depth charts for every single uh, FBS school. Uh, uh, we have, uh, hundreds of players ranked for CFF purposes. So whether you're in a CFF league or a C2C, uh, I think this will really help you out. Shout out to our CFF. Uh, crew uh, here at Campus to Canton uh, who got that set up. And then just check out the other pods on the feed, guys. I know we just added the official here, a ton of other great podcasts as well. So go ahead, check all of those out. Thank you guys so much again uh, for listening. Uh, and now uh, enjoy uh, some some great guest spots here uh, on Campus Life. All right, guys. Guest number one here for the week uh, was at Elite 11. Last week, got to check everything out there um, and, and is here to report a little on the comings and goings. One of our recruiting guys here at Campus to Canton, he is, if you asked David for, if I asked you for a 2023-7 round NFL mock draft tomorrow, could you, I mean, you're, you're so deep into this stuff. You could, you could probably have something pretty close to that and send it my way, right? I definitely could. I have a large, a large list of players and they're generally ranked already so i've done a lot of research on that so this is dgen stuff and the elite 11 is is fall probably falls into that category too um i want to lead off just by asking you like how was going to the final and being there and being around you know not only these kids but uh some of the big name talent evaluators uh, cj stroud and bryce young were there i mean what what was the atmosphere like there yeah, a lot of big names. Um, obviously, the twenty the twenty participants, um, and you know, I thought they did a pretty good job selecting a lot of them. Like, no one really looked like out of place to me. Expect even the the late guy that joined late. Um, so Nico, I'm gonna butcher his name. I don't even want to try it. It's Moxley, a safe space. It's a safe yeah. Space. No, it's not because <laughs> Moxie will come after me. Um, so, anyways, Nico couldn't show up, and then um, Jackson Smolik from Iowa showed up and he actually played well too. He didn't seem out of place. So it was though, you know, all those guys played well. And then, yeah, you had the four counselors that were there. 
uh, I guess five actually, because Bryce Young showed up on Saturday. So Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Devin Leary. Um, who else was it? And uh, DTR was there, right? I saw. He yeah, was one D of them. DTR was there. I think that covers it. Yeah. So you kind of got. It was kind of cool to you know compare those guys to the high schoolers and see kind of how how what kind of level thrower they are and stuff. Those guys are definitely, um, you know, they're pretty seasoned and they have three years of development, you know, under their belt or in some case four four years. So, yeah, but it's definitely too cool to contrast all those guys. But, you know, obviously Trent Dilfer, you know, the all the Elite 11 guys are like super cool. Quincy Avery is like a high level quarterback coach. Um, and then you got to see some skill position players as well. So like Roderick Robinson, he's going to be one of um, he's a very talented 2023 running back. Jacoby Lane, I think he got MVP for wide receivers. He stood out quite a bit. He's like this six five. He's pretty skinny. He's like 180, 190, but he made a lot of good catches. Um, Deuce Robinson, obviously, he's crazy talented. He looks like an absolute freak. He's definitely like a legit six five, six six, two twenty five super athletic huge catch radius so he stood out um a couple others zach marshall was like another tight end who's interesting i don't think he has a ton of offers at this point but i think he's starting to get more attention um trace spivey was another one but you know those are like the main guys that i saw uh just a ton of talent all, all across the board um so, I mean, this is a very, you know, uh, protected environment. You know, it's a lot of drill work, some 7v7. There, there's really not a lot of, um, you know, game type um, scenarios, you know, real game game scenarios. How much would you do you use or do you think people should use these kinds of events in their uh, ultimate evaluations of some of these players, uh, specifically probably the quarterback since they're the focus of everything? It's a good question. Yeah, I was kind of asking myself that, like, how much does this really matter? And probably not a ton, I, but you can definitely learn some things like, you know, how big guys really are. Um, there was some, as far as like size, just sizing guys up, I, there were some things that were interesting that I took away from that. Um, I, I mean, definitely game film is like the biggest thing for me. I think a lot of people, a lot of us at Campus of Canton definitely lean more towards how they look on film and actually playing in actual games. Um, but I definitely think you can learn a lot of stuff um, and just kind of get a, a feel for their personalities and like how they do in a highly competitive environment. And some guys definitely stepped up in, in that scenario, I felt like, uh, more so than others. So I guess we buried the lead a little bit. Jackson Arnold took home the MVP award. He, he was uh, determined to be the best uh, player there. 50% of the score is from the event. And 50% is from the, the junior year tape. What do you think set him apart from some of the other big names there? Obviously, you know, you said no Nico, no Arch, but Dante Moore was there. Uh, Malachi Nelson was there. Uh, Chris Vizino. We're, we, I don't think we like him maybe as much as the services, but he's a five-star guy was there. Uh, Arnold's a, a high, uh, high four-star in his own right. But what do you think kind of set him uh, apart ultimately from some of those other guys? Yeah, I think it's the culmination of everything. They said they they weigh like fifty percent game, like junior tape. Obviously, Arnold has he has really good tape against really good proven competition. I think he's he took runner up in Texas five A. I think it was um, eventually losing to Club 
Cade Klubnik, I believe. Um, so he's very he's he's done a lot on the field, so that definitely helps him. Um, as far as like his arm talent, it definitely stands out, and that was I wasn't ex- like I his arm looks good on on film, but like seeing it in person, I was like, oh okay, like this this guy's legit. Like he wasn't necessarily that far away from some of the counselors. Like like he has a college arm. Like he's ready to go as far as that. You know, and him and JJ Cole, I think that they, they probably had the strongest arm. So um, he's he, and I think the other thing they weigh is physical upside, and he is a he is a good athlete. You can tell right away. You know, he doesn't he didn't run run for a ton of yards per carry, but he played in a really tough league, and he still got like 600 plus yards, I think, last year. So you can see that he's um, definitely has the athletic ability. Probably not like a like a really true dual dual threat, but he, he can run a little bit. So I think just like the culmination and he played, I mean, he played awesome all week. There's no, there's no denying it. Like I put out my rankings for the week. I had Dante Moore slightly ahead of him. Um, but the two were pretty like neck and neck. I thought all week. I, I was going to ask you, cause you tweeted out uh, shortly after the event, uh, the event, your definitive elite 11 rankings, you had more one Arnold two. Um, and then, I mean, I don't think there were any really surprising names in, in your 11. I think most of, uh, of what you had, those guys finished in the elite 11s, elite 11. Um, was there a guy there maybe besides Arnold, you said, you know, the arm, the arm was, was much better in person that really surprised you, which is how good they looked compared to kind of your, uh, thoughts going into the event. Yeah. A few surprises. The first one is JJ Cole. I I mean, his arm talent is pretty incredible. Like he, I thought he had the best arm and the, his deep ball accuracy, I thought was the best too, like pretty easily. So, and he moved. Okay. Like he's, he's like a legit six, six, probably like two twenty two thirty. Like he's, he's a big kid and um, like he could move around a little bit too. Like he was, he completed a, quite a few passes outside the pocket Um you know, and pressure drills and stuff and red zone drills, stuff like that. So he can create, a. I don't think, I think he had maybe like a hundred yards rushing. So he's not like, he's not a big rusher, but like he can move for that size and that age. So that was, that was impressive. Um, so he stood out. I think, I think most um, recaps of the event had JJ Cole pretty high. I know on three, I think they had him first overall, which, I mean, if you're just looking at how he played that week, I, he he was close to me. I thought um, Dante Moore and Jackson Arnold were a little more consistent with as far as accuracy goes. But JJ Cole surprised me. I think he's legit going to Iowa State. And then um, Ricky Collins. I haven't watched a ton of tape on him, but um, so I guess it, it, as far as like he was really accurate. I thought he. I didn't. I didn't know he'd be really accurate. He crushed the accuracy competition. Uh, I think he won by like six points. So he was, and it wasn't just that. It, it was pretty much through the, throughout the drills. And actually, I thought he crushed the pro day too. And he had a ton of velocity too. So he had one of the stronger arms there, just a ton of line drives. And he was, he was pretty on target all week. He has a bit of a loopy uh, motion. So he'll have, to, he'll have to tighten that up a little bit, but he looks promising, so he'll have a, a interesting quarterback battle with Brady Allen um, in a couple of years. So he looks promising. He surprised me a little bit. 
And then the other guy was probably Malachi Singleton. There's a lot of these other guys that I'm pretty familiar with. And like, like I knew Avery Johnson and these guys were, were super talented and Singleton. I thought I wasn't sure what to think of him coming into it just because he had two really high level um, receivers at his school. And I wasn't sure maybe if like they kind of made him look better than he was. And I know he completed over like 70% of his passes. And that just to, that that was uh, a denial on Morissette and, and Sam Mbake, right? The two, yeah, uh, Morissette yeah, exactly. at Georgia and Mbake at Arkansas now. Yeah, were his two receivers last year. Yeah, and those guys were, you know, high level guys going to Georgia and Arkansas. So like, I wasn't sure. Like he was accurate in person. I thought like his pro day, he he really stood out. He hit like a forty or fifty yard pass down the sideline. Who at the time I didn't know who it was, but I'm pretty sure that was Jacoby Lane. He threw it like right over the top of him, hit him in stride. And I noticed that quite a bit. He was hitting guys hitting guys in stride like consistently. At good anticipation, pretty good arm strength. Um, he's pretty physical looking. Like he's, I would say like 6'1", 220, 225, somewhere like that. And he's a pretty good athlete. So he'll be uh, an interesting dual threat guy too. So uh, he he, I wasn't sure what to think of him coming in, but I think he's pretty legit. And, and Singleton, as of now, committed to Arkansas. So it seems like kind of a natural successor to, to KJ Jefferson based on what, what he does, yeah. you think? Yeah, I think he'll fit that system pretty well. Gotcha. Um, it's interesting you were talking about J.J. Cool. Al, I just looked. I have his 24-7 profile up. Alan True uh, comps him to Joe Flacco, which I thought was pretty interesting. You know, another tall, uh, not necessarily mobile uh, uh, type guy there. Um Anybody that that stood out to you in, in a negative way, like just just really disappointed you, or you said you know you didn't really think there was anybody there that didn't belong or looked like they didn't belong, but um, just anybody that that you kind of walked away thinking nah, I, I'm not so sure. Um, as far as disappointments, um, this is the second time seeing him in, in person, Eli Holstein. I knew I knew you I, were going there. I, I know knew you were going there. I talked about him on Debbie debate, like quickly. I just, his mechanics, like, it's just, his motion is so long to me. Um, like he's got some work to do there. I'm not saying he's going to be a bust or anything. I'm just, I think he needs a lot of work. I, and you could see kind of the coaches that were working with him quite a bit, um, trying to get that shortened a little, he needs, I think he needs, he has a really strong arm, so maybe he can get away with it in college and stuff. But like beyond that, like, I think he needs to, clean up his mechanics. He was actually, it was a little bit surprising. Like when I look at him, I like, I'm like, Oh, that that's probably a pretty good linebacker. Like he has like a linebacker's body to me. And he was actually shorter. I don't think he's six, four. I, th and if you look at like a lot of group pictures, you'll see some group pictures. I think there was one, they all did like yoga one morning. You can kind of see them all standing next to each other. And like, I think Avery Johnson was like slightly taller than him. And I think Ricky Collins might've been slightly taller than him. Like the, those guys are probably like six, two and a half. Um, I think he was closer to six, two and he's got broad, broad shoulders and he's probably like two twenty five. Like he's a thick dude. I, like when I look at him, I'm like, Oh, that's a linebacker. But I mean, tons of physical upside though. Still. I mean, he tested off the charts at, uh, the Vegas regional where he had like 133 spark score. So, I mean, that's crazy. So like he tested well, but when I watch him, I don't necessarily, I don't really see that athleticism. Uh, it doesn't like pop out to me when I watch him play. So 
I feel like I've mentioned him a lot, like, but I, I don't know. I'm not as high on him. And then uh, let me think of someone else who I think Rash, Rashada, Jaden Rashada. I was going to say, because he's like the the borderline four or five star guy that you did not have in your top 11, but you did have Emery Williams. And that, the other quarterback in this class who's committed to Miami, they're, they're taking two QBs as of now. So em, Emery Williams, you thought outperformed Rashada? Yeah, I thought like throw for throw. I thought Emory Williams was was more consistent. He was more accurate. Um, he showed like enough athleticism. He showed he has they have similar size too. I mean, Emory Williams is probably six four, two hundred. They're both around the same size. Um, Rashada might be a little skinnier, but and Rashada has like he has a gun like Rashada has a gun like he he probably top three or four arm arm talent I think that I saw it's just like I don't know he gets really hard on himself I know he's got a lot of he he pressures himself quite a bit to do really well at these events um but I just think he get he get in maybe he gets in his own head or something I don't know he's a little inconsistent just ball placement wise um so I think he's a little more raw than I, than Emory Williams is. Emory Williams seemed pretty poised, pretty consistent, pretty steady, not a lot of lows for him. So that'll be an interesting quarterback battle between those two. You know, I don't know. Emory Williams might be the guy that wins out though, just because based off of consistency and if the, if the coach can trust him. It's a completely different discussion for a completely different day, but you, it will be interesting to see if NIL ends up playing a deal there. Supposedly Rashada, you know, obviously getting the the large, we won't drop the numbers because they've said they're inaccurate, but apparently a large NIL deal. So it will be interesting to see uh, if that ends up playing a factor there. Uh, David, thank you so much for hopping on here, uh, for going to the event, uh, and then obviously lending us uh, your knowledge here so we can uh, share it with the masses. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That's David at Solving Football on Twitter, guys. Uh, check out his work. Uh, if you are not following him, you are definitely missing out. All right, guys. Part two of this week's show. Again, no Colin. Um, this has been a pretty good week. No Colin. I've gotten like so much done on my own. We got to talk to David earlier. And now I get to talk to two very wonderful guests here. Very excited to have them on. We're doing a little bit of a home and home. I was on their show a few weeks back, the Debbie Devotional, and now they were gracious enough uh, to join me here this evening. I've got uh, Aaron, Aaron Wilcox, at Aaron Wilcox 86 on Twitter, and then John, uh, at Dynasty Coach A. Um, you can find both of them uh, with Debbie, or with uh, Monocle Dynasty and uh, the Debbie Devotional podcast. Guys, thank you for hopping on here. How are you guys doing tonight? I know there's some... It's there's some tension because we're in a draft right now, and, and there's there's been some uh, some sniping going on between the two of you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I'm I, I love being here. Thank you so much for having us. I'm Dynasty Coach A. I um, I, I hate Aaron so much right now. I, I just I can't stand his face. Uh, I hate the fact that I have to look at him right now. The things that he is doing in this draft, and we can get into it all later, but. Uh, he is not a good person. He, he's just not a good person. Oh, Aaron, that shocks me. That shocks me. Look at that. That that face. That, that can't do with anything wrong to anybody. Look at you. 
That, that's right. I, I can't believe what I'm hearing here. But uh, no, it is great to see you, John. Uh, thank you very much, Austin, for having me and John on the podcast. We are we are thrilled to be here, ready to talk some uh, Debbie C to C, all of that. So really excited. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that startup you guys are doing in a minute, and it's going to be really interesting because Aaron, you've done a couple of C two C startups before. John, you have not. So hearing some differing, uh, you know, experiences here, I think is going to be uh, a good time. Uh, but first, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the two of you guys and what you're working on right now. I guess we can start uh, with you, uh, John. You have um, uh, your Patreon in, in addition mm-hmm. to Monocle Dynasty and, and the podcast and everything. Um, talk to me a little bit about Beth, what you got going on over the Patreon um, and and where everybody can find your work. Absolutely. So Beth was created because I, I don't have time to watch college football. I, I have the wife, kids, business dogs, all that kind of good stuff. And I just, I don't have time. I I watch a lot of football on Sundays. I don't have time to watch it on Saturdays. Unfortunately, I love college football. Like I I grew up watching and all that. I just, I can't watch it anymore. So, uh, being that I'm not able to watch college football, I was really bad at prospecting and, 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 you know, like finding prospects, you know, when they became rookies in the NFL and I was following other people, I was doing, you know, I was looking at websites and things and honestly I was I was bad because I was following like bad analysis and, and stuff like that. And so finally I just got sick of it and I'm like, I, I gotta do something on my own. And so I just started uh I started looking at the stats and looking at the numbers. Um Dave Wright on Twitter is uh at FF underscore spaceman. He has a, a database with like, all the top metrics and he had one uh, page in in particular that kind of showed like the the most um the most predictive metrics like that kind of thing. And so I, I kind of started from there and it's a very long story from, from there of how we got to Beth, but I just started playing around with it, creating models. I created a model. I spent weeks on it and then I realized it was crap. And so I started from scratch and did it again. And, um, and then I probably spent another, you know, five, six months just literally staring at it every day, messing with it, tweaking it until finally, uh, I felt pretty confident with it. And then last year, going into rookie drafts was the first year that I truly like tested it and it was great. Uh, you know, Jamar chase where he's supposed to be Devontae Smith, you know, like uh, the running backs, uh, everyone was where they were supposed to be and uh, felt great. But because it was the first year, you know, it was kind of hard to, to truly like say, you know, Oh, you know, it's, it's definitely a hundred percent. Well, you know, this year we did it again. And so, uh, I feel great about that. And then I want to start getting into Debbie, you know, so I, I started, you know, breaking off and, and doing that as well, because what's a better way to find the prospects than finding them early. <laughs> you know, so now yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all that, but very long story short, I, uh, yeah, I, that's, uh, that's how I became uh, a, uh, a Debbie nerd. And uh, that's who Beth is. <laughs> so you have Beth and you have Debbie Beth. Correct. You can find both of them on your Patreon dynasty coach a, um, and you said that your contender tier gets you regular Beth. The other one gets you both. Is that correct? Uh, I think it's the other way around. I think okay, the contender right. tier, okay. oh, the sorry. contender tier, the rebuilder tier is three bucks a month, and it gets you like all the cool tools. I have a trade calculator. I have a league evaluator. Uh, in season, I have a start sit tool that tells you who to start and who to sit. Uh, you know, between your flexes and stuff like that. Uh, so all that stuff is is in there. Uh, the only thing you don't get in the rebuilder tier is the Devi stuff. Then the five dollar tier contender tier gets you everything. Um, you know, I'm I, once again I'm new to Devi, so I'm not even saying that they are 
like, you know, as far as like the, the new prospects and all that, you know, I'm sure there's probably be people that are better than me at that stuff. But I will say I, I feel very confident, like especially as we get into like the junior and senior years of these players, I feel very confident in, in knowing who should be on your team and like who you should be in love with for going into the NFL. Um, so that's probably where my part of the game is going to be, you know, the best. Whereas Aaron is probably a lot better at like actually looking at the recruits and, and stuff like that. Cause he's, he's grinding high school film that I'm definitely not doing. <laughs> you, you degen you, who would, who would do that? Aaron, so you're, I mean, you're, you told me before the show here, you're trying to get some really full on C2C rankings out here in the next couple of weeks. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So just a little background, John and I are doing this campus to Canton startup. So we've already completed the NFL side and now we are just about four and a half rounds deep into the college side. And to prepare for that, and I've always liked doing rankings. I'm just doing my own stuff, not necessarily put out there publicly. Um, but yeah, I really got into the rankings. So I went through very comprehensive ranks prior to this. So this spring and then early this summer. And so, for example, I have I have 96 running backs ranked out of the 2023 class. And then I rank it by class. So I have, you know, the 2024, 2025, et cetera. So I really like getting into all the classes, breaking them down. And as far as a background of approaches, I started off very much film-based. That was kind of my bread and butter just years ago when I was playing fantasy and I started doing Debbie just for fun. But now I've been able to incorporate some really good analytical approaches and combine those two into my process. So I've definitely learned a lot along the way. And then I've started podcasting with John, who has been very, um, very helpful in, I guess, just learning more and more about prospecting and his model, his process. And then, of course, listening to you guys at C2C, all all sorts of different sources. So it's not necessarily um, one place that I go to for information, but I'm trying to learn as much as I can. And I just I like podcasting on the side. So. That's really what I have going on right now, but I do hope to get my Patreon started here within the next couple of weeks, probably after this draft, just so, uh, <laughs> you know, people are going off my rankings for who I'm going after next. But yeah, so that's what's going on with me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think we've we've teased out this draft that you guys are doing uh, enough here, uh, and I wanted to kind of uh, start off kind of the, the meat uh, of the show here with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, we kind of talked about it earlier, Aaron, how, how many C2Cs have you done at this point? A handful? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I did two startups last year and this is my first one so far. I, I'd like to do another one later this summer, but we'll see if the time will allow that. Yeah. Yeah. A bit of a time investment as I, uh, found out last year, I uh, overplayed my, my, myself a little bit. Um, and then John, <laughs> this is your first one. You guys did the NFL side of this draft first. So I do just want to ask you. Uh, and just a, it's like twelve team, like any weird wrinkles to this, or pretty pretty the, standard. The QB scoring's a little nerfed. Um, it, it, you get one point for thirty yards, and it's only four point uh, passing touchdowns. So, you know your your normal like uh, boring passing QBs aren't going to really like score all that much. You know, really like you kind of want to get like the rushing QBs and, and things like that. So that's probably the biggest change. Other than that, there's minor changes. Like, uh, I think there's what half point, uh, first down scoring, something like that, but nothing too wild. Okay. Okay. Um, so you guys, like you did the NFL side first, John, I'll come to you first. Cause you have obviously done dynasty and, and things like that before. Um, 
how did you approach that side knowing that you had like this full college side did it change anything for you or you just kind of treated it like a normal dynasty startup well i will say uh one cool thing that we did that um i kind of felt like i took advantage of or you know i don't know i don't know if you want to call it take advantage of it but like i kind of strategized was that we actually had the campus picks in the auction so you okay. you could auction off the campus pick and so like the we had a 500 dollars budget I think the campus pick 101 went for like 35 bucks or something around there, 30 bucks, whatever it was. Um, and I really didn't want to spend that much on the campus pick. I mean, obviously you're getting like Bijan or Trevion or whoever, you know, it ends up being like, it's a great pick, but it's also snake draft. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're getting that 101 and then you're having to wait, you know, 24 more picks and, and all that. So I kind of wanted to be in the middle and I didn't want to spend a bunch of money and I ended up getting the 107 for three bucks. So I felt pretty good about that when it was all said and done, you know, and, um, and there was like, I think the 108 went for three bucks as well. You know, so like I, once, once again, nothing like amazing, but I just felt like I got a decent value there and uh, I was happy being kind of in the middle being that it is my first, you know, uh, campus draft. Then, you know, I, I kind of wanted to be in the middle so I could see what was happening with the board. I really didn't want to be at the, at the beginning or the end. So that was really my only strategy going in thinking about the campus side. Other than that, it was just a normal auction, like see what falls and, and all that. But then going into the campus side, you know, then I, I kind of took that and, and, you know, now I'm like looking at my Canton side uh, team and saying like, okay, what do I need to fill? Like that kind of thing. Cause I want to be able to backfill next year. For sure. For sure. And you, I mean, uh, anecdotally, it seems like the one Oh nine is kind of the cutoff. So you guys, you, are you the one Oh eight, Aaron? I yep. am. Yeah. So yep. you guys both kind of fell on that, that top tier before there's a little bit of a drop off yep. um strategically i mean aaron you've had a bunch of picks in the first couple of rounds so you've been you've been doing some some moving around here absolutely and just to answer that question that you asked john i really was not changing a whole lot on the nfl side sometimes i consider well it's hard to land quarterbacks in that campus draft like if you are weak on the quarterback position on the nfl side you're really scrambling to try to acquire those guys in your campus draft. So I always keep that in consideration, but I landed Mahomes and I pieced together some other decent quarterback options. So I think I'm comfortable there, but yeah, as far as now going over onto the campus side, I definitely wanted to prioritize landing studs. I wanted to, to get a lot of guys where I just thought that they're going to be high end assets some of them very good, some of them even elite. So, for example, I traded away a future first, or I guess I traded back in a, in the 23 campus draft, <clears throat> excuse me, just to move up. Um, and as far as the guys I got, I landed five of my top 21 ranked C2C assets within the first three rounds. So Bryce Young, Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, Emeka Abuka, and Donovan Edwards were all guys that I've been able to land so far within those first three rounds. So that was my priority is just get some top tier talent out there just because I do think it, it falls off a little bit and I don't want to have to rely to uh, rely on the later rounds to really land my studs. I don't care too much if it's the sixth round, if it's the ninth round, things kind of flatten out a little bit from my perspective. So that was my strategy. That's how things have been going so far in the draft for me. So uh, you're, you're kind of doing the chaotic approach a little bit here and where you're really moving around, you're being aggressive in these first couple rounds. Um, if the draft board I'm looking at is, is correct, John, you have stayed put 
you've kind of just let talent fall to you. That's usually my strategy as well. So I I love it. Um, Jameer Gibbs in the first round, you hit Sean Tucker on the way back. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks in the third round and then uh, Tyler Butchner in the fourth quarterback from Notre Dame there. Um, How are you feeling about that group so far? Uh, A couple of guys, those two running backs, you could have, uh, you know, if all goes to plan, probably up on your NFL roster next year, right? Yeah, and I I didn't want to go too crazy, you know, with uh, with worrying about my Canton side and like filling that, but it just kind of worked out with where I was in the draft. Like I need running backs on the Canton side, and I got two like pretty damn good running backs on yeah. the the campus side. So it, it really worked out. Uh, I didn't go out of my way to do it. It was just who it was there. Um, I I had the option of taking Bryce Young at the one hundred and seven, and I let him fall to Aaron. Uh, you know, whether that's right or wrong. But like I said before, you know, the, the passing, uh, the passing scoring is, is kind of nerfed and Bryce doesn't run. Like he literally had zero yards last year. So, uh, you know, he's not going to be, a, a, he's not going to be a, a running or rushing QB in the NFL. I already have uh, Kyler and Russell Wilson on the Canton side. So I'm not really worried about QB anyway. And so being that it's already nerfed and, uh, and you know, just the scoring and everything, I really that's why I went with the upside of Gibbs there. And then as far as, you know, like like you said, I really haven't moved around. I've been in some trade negotiations, but some of these boys are getting pretty wild, you know, like they, they want to make, you know, five rounds here, five rounds there on each side, and I'm like, just give me like a simple trade. You know, this is my first time. So I uh, I unfortunately, you know, being that it is my first one, I really don't know how exactly to value those later round picks that they're trying to like change and swap and, and do all that. And even some of the the future picks, you know, there uh, some guys are trying to send me uh, a second next year. Well, I know f- just from talking to Aaron and, and listening to pods and stuff like that, like I know a second probably isn't that valuable, but I just truly don't know how to value it, um, you know, for next year. So it's it's kind of hard to make trades when you have or are so inexperienced, and so that's definitely my fault. But I'd, I'd I'd rather not ruin my team and just you know make as long as you know make picks as long as I'm. You know, I actually like a player on the board, you know, so that's what I've been doing. And it makes sense, you know, <clears throat> you're talking about some of that nerfed quarterback scoring, because I did notice, you know, the the first three picks off the board here for you guys were not quarterback, which I think, you know, if you if you took a, a sample of 100 startups, I'm not sure you'd find too many that the, the first quarterback didn't come off the board until four. That was C.J. Stroud um, and only 10 quarterbacks through four rounds. So that's really, really interesting as well. It seems like everyone in this league is kind of, um, you know, more or less uh, laying off quarterback. Looks like, from what I can see, only one team has two. Or no, because yeah. you traded out that pick. So there might not even be one team that has two. So that, no, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think there is, yeah. So, so that is, that, that's really, really interesting to me. So I know you don't want to give too much away. We'll be a little cagey here. <laughs> what um what are we are you, are you going to continue to move around a lot here Aaron are you kind of going to settle in a little bit after now that you know some of your your bigger names are off the board or what what are you thinking you're going to do here you know in snake drafts where trading is allowed I never really settle in I guess if that makes sense I am trying to get my guys and unfortunately you know John could probably tell you more about that but I moved up multiple times and sniped him in this draft and, and that's why he's upset I tonight. Him so much yeah, and, and I understand it for sure. But it's it's landing those guys that you really believe in. I'm not really afraid to move up and do that just because I really don't like the feeling of A, getting sniped, or B, feeling like you are you have to make a selection in the draft or a trade that doesn't really favor you. I might as well go out and get that asset that I want instead of getting sniped and be like, well, now I have to 
pick a guy who's not even in the same tier. So that's why I do like that aggressive approach. And I will try to keep that up throughout the draft. It seems like we have a very active uh, set of managers here, which is which is always fun. It makes the slow drafts a little bit slower, <laughs> uh, but, but that is fine. And, and I appreciate that. So yeah, I think I'll still move around, but maybe not to the same degree, because as I was talking before, it flattens out quite a bit. So now my cues, they might get a little bit longer instead of having these little clusters of mm-hmm. tiered um, guys that, that has been the case early in the draft. So real quick, um, I mean, you, you moved up for Donovan Edwards. He's a guy I don't really know what to do with. So what uh, what do you like about Donovan Edwards uh, that made you uh, go out and, and aggressively target him? Yeah, absolutely. I, I targeted – yeah, I traded up for him, landed him at 3.06. So essentially it's just that receiving upside. This is full PPR, and I really do think that – his frame, which he's going to grow into. He's, he's six foot 200 already. He has really, really good receiving chops. He will line up outside or he'll be a threat out of the backfield and he'll be able to catch passes downfield. It's not like he's just um, getting tossed screen passes. So he has that versatility and he's also very speedy back. So no, he's not a four, three guy, but in the NFL, you don't need to be, you just need to be, uh, have enough burst and acceleration. Um, and he has that. I really think that, there's a lot of things to like about him. I do think Blake Corum being there is maybe a reason why people are staying away. But at the end of the day, they lost Haskins, who had a ton of touches, a ton of goal line carries last year. And there's a lot of if vacated touches. Uh, you know, if we want to use the word vacated, I know that's not always popular, especially for wide receivers. But for running backs, I mean, somebody's got to pick up the slack there. And that team should still be a rushing team. So I have a lot of faith that he gets an increased workload. And then also I think his vision, his patience are kind of lacking right now, or at least somewhere that he needs to develop a little bit more, especially as an inside runner. But you saw the flashes of him making really good cuts to avoid defenders as he was getting the ball, as he was um, trying to gain some yardage inside. So I think that the tools are there. He just needs to refine those and get more comfortable in the college game. So like I said, I think he's a three down workhorse DeAndre Swift type of ceiling player. I'm not saying that he gets there. Um, that's a little bit of projecting, but at the end of the day, we've talked about this before. There's quite a bit of projecting in this game that we love to play. So that's my thoughts with him. And you took him over Brainton Robinson. Brainton Robinson went at the 310. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, and are you off Branson? Or you just kind of like the upside with Edwards because he's he's such a good pass catcher a little bit more than Branson, who we don't know yet. But there's a possibility that he kind of ends up with more of a thumper than uh, you know a, a, a three down back. Yeah, uh, good question. And John and I, when we were talking about the classes, because we did go through every class uh, at every position um, with our podcast earlier this off season, and I I loved Branson. Um, I think I was talking John into him or trying to talk into him closer to um, bringing him a lot closer to Nick Singleton, actually. But at the end of the day, I have seen it from Edwards. And I think from a PPR and CFF standpoint, I just like that so much more because we just don't know what George is going to do right now. I know in the past they've put out very productive backs um, for the college side. And I think Branson's a great pick there. So uh, no issues with that at all. I just wanted to really make sure that my team was going to a score a lot of points this year and then be, be set up with guys I believe in. 
All right, let's shift away a little bit from this startup here. And you just mentioned it, and it's our next question. So you gave me great segue. Thank you. You know that A plus on the the guest scorecard here. Um, you guys recently did a series of shows. You kind of broke down all like the next three classes, and you kind of discussed all of them in depth. Um, I'll come to you first here, John. After having those discussions, is there a class that maybe you're targeting heavier in a in a C two C draft or picking up future picks in like a regular dynasty draft? Like, is is there just one class? Or I mean, twenty twenty three is probably going to be your answer, right? Is that? Yeah, I mean, twenty three is obviously cheating, but you know, at the same time, the the cost to get those picks is insane. So, um, you know, I. I was actually looking at the players, and even if you kind of take the cost out of it, I really like the 2024 class. Um, I, I really do. And so I, I think that would be my answer. And obviously, it's a lot cheaper to get those those players right now. But it, it feels like a very like well-balanced class. Like Obviously, they're not all going to hit, but there's, just, there's a lot of good players in good positions to score points and get on the field and do all that. And so I, I really, I mean, I'm, we obviously have a lot of players left to draft in this campus draft. Uh, you know, like I'm probably going to be drafting a good amount of 24 picks or 24 players. I mean, Aaron, you feel the same way. I mean, costs considering cost, maybe 2024 is where you lean. If you have to, uh, to kind of side with the class or you willing to pay up for those 2023s. Yeah, I'm doing a combination, honestly. And I, I like the class as well. 2023's had a lot of hype, but 24 is is a legit class, that's for sure. And I do like the 25 guys. Um, in general, I mean, 2025 is so far out. It's sometimes hard to, we're getting um, a bit ahead of ourselves sometimes with that. But yeah, I like the next two classes a lot. So um, I'm layering, I guess, as far as trying to acquire some of those guys. I like both classes, honestly. But how about you, Austin? Do you have a specific strategy, something that you're leaning towards um, targeting-wise? I always try to target as far out as possible if I can. Not like, you know, I'm not going to rebuild and only focus on the 25 class because, you know, then now you're waiting for a while. But um, I mean, th- those are the people are always, that's just so far out of people's minds. You know, it really, really is. And you look at some of the, you know, uh, look at a C2C draft, and I'm looking at this one you guys are doing now. I mean, the first freshman probably rightfully is Nick Singleton at the two, three. If he breaks out this year, he's going to be in those top three picks next year. Like they're never cheaper than they are now um, is kind of usually my, uh, my, the way that I, I lean, but I mean, it, it, you're talking about the, the symmetry from the 23 and the 24 classes. It is really interesting. I mean, there two of two quarterbacks from each of those classes generally goes in the first round, you know, Stroud and, and young uh, from 23 and then yours and, and Caleb Williams there in 2024. You've got, Couple of running backs, you know, Gibbs, Bijan, you, and then, you know, Travion, Braylon Allen sometimes sneaks into the first there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, there is some really, there are really interesting parallels uh, between those two classes. I think that, that's a really uh, interesting point there. Um, 2023 has kind of been beaten to death. I mean, do you, what do you guys think is kind of the strength of, of 2024, a class that we've at least gotten to see? on the field a little bit. Does, does Debbie Beth have anything to say about it? Or do you still need a little more, <laughs> so a few more data points before like you feel comfortable kind of uh, saying, you know, this class is strong at quarterback or, you know, yeah. whatever it may be. Well, unfortunately we haven't seen a lot of them play or play a long, you know, a lot. So, uh, you know, that doesn't give me a lot. And I do kind of, uh, I discount players that have only played like four games or whatever, because I, 
I learned very early on. Aaron can tell you of about the um, oh, what the hell, Brendan Lewis phase. Uh, but uh, was I learned that my you lesson. guys? Oh, it was definitely me. I don't know. <laughs> I remember listening to that show last year, and it was <laughs> like I remember just like your guys' reaction was so good on that. It, so kudos. <laughs> I think I listened to it like four times just because it made me chuckle so much. Uh, yeah, so I, I learned my lesson on that one. You know, don't don't use stats from a half a game and then project a player. Um, you know, that's that's not going to work out very well. So I, I really try to get like a full season, and everything. I do think that Xavier Worthy can be special, um, and so that's uh, that's a great start to the you know to the uh, the receiving core uh, for 2024. And but then we get a lot more projecting going on, like Ibuka, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Jacory Brooks, Mario Williams. Like those are all players that I like, and I have there in like that second tier. Um, in fact, that's why I drafted Jacory Brooks. I think he's going to be good for CFF purposes, but I th- also think that he has a chance to be very good for the NFL as well. So. Uh, you know that's one of the reasons why I draft them there, but we're we're projecting. We really have <laughs> truly have no idea at this point. But there's quite a few, and then people love JoJo Earl. You know we can go on and on for the wide receivers, but then like you said, there's there's running backs as well. The um, you know the Nicholas Singletons, the uh, or no, I'm sorry, that's 25. Uh, <laughs> I, sometimes I, I get it all you know, confused, but uh, I I, just, I really do like like the uh, the balanced nature of that class, and so. You know, once again, the 2023 is great. Our 23 class is great, but I actually think the 24 class might have some more depth when it's all said and done. Aaron, you're you're a, a sicko like me. We're we're out here watching these kids in high school and stuff. So, uh, if you what what do you think is the strength of 2024? Uh, and then we can um, really hardcore speculate and talk about 2025. Okay. Yeah. You're getting me excited out here further out those 25 guys. Ooh, Uh, but no 24. I just think that the high end potential stands out. So I really emphasize the word potential because like John said, we don't have a ton of data points. We don't know for sure from a um, sample size standpoint, if these guys are going to continue to either ascend or just continue what they're doing already. But the high end potential there uh, with Caleb Williams and Quinn Ewers. I mean, they could be stars in this league. Um, Trayvon Henderson already is a star, but then there's these other backs who've shown flashes and really started to break out, whether that was Braylon Allen or Will Shipley or Donovan Edwards down the stretch last year. Um, and then the wide receivers. I mean, we all know what Worthy, Worthy did, but Ibuka, Marvin Harrison Jr., they're coming too. And John mentioned a couple other guys. I mean, I think that's a high end potential could be there but right now there's just a lot of unknowns and i think that's pretty typical for a class two years out uh at the end of the day we have to look at some of the things that they did both um well on the field yes as a freshman but then also from high school so consider those things when we're projecting so i i think right now john said it could be deep i i'm not so sure um yet how deep i think it'll be but we also have to consider if the 2023 class is especially deep at at running back deep at wide receiver some of those guys might not just come out into the draft right they're going to stay to 2024 and that just adds to the depth so i think that there's something to be said about that as well when we're looking ahead to 2024 yeah we just saw zach charbonnet do it who you know we we thought he'd be in um top five uh back in the class and, and he returned there um do you guys think that covid year kind of hurt us maybe seeing one or two more breakouts last year 
if, not the you know folks that maybe got to stay a fifth year. I think what was it two drafts ago? It was like the fewest players that had declared uh, for a draft like ever, and then this year was like the most by a ton because a lot of these guys use that extra year. I think it kind of kept some of these guys off the field, if not even for a whole year, but maybe a little longer than than maybe uh, they would have been a normal uh, circumstance. I definitely think so. I mean, you know, think about how many super seniors we've talked about, uh, you know, on your pods, on my pod and everything. Uh, So when you're talking about those kind of players, they would normally be gone. And so that's just going to hurt uh, these freshmen and sophomore players. So I definitely think that, uh, you know, at the very least, it's it's hindered them a little bit. And so maybe, you know, Aaron was saying it's pretty normal that we don't have a lot of uh, stats and data from these players, but maybe it is a little bit lesser than what it would have been. Yeah. Something and I've that, just been noodling around with. Yeah. I, <laughs> I... <laughs> sure. And I think even from a, I mean, maybe selfish standpoint or, or whatever, as us trying to evaluate these guys, when some teams are only playing six games versus some teams are playing 12 games just because of the COVID years, whatever. It's hard to evaluate these guys. It's really hard to know, okay, who would just blew up in that short span, but they probably not, um, they're not a talent that would keep that up throughout the whole season. For example, uh, it does make it a little bit more difficult as an evaluator. So I think that, yeah, definitely COVID's thrown a wrench into things. Uh, yeah. I don't have much thoughts on how that's really affected the 2024 class. Now I think that we're going to start getting a little bit back to normal as far as normal numbers of declarees, but that's just my thoughts. Jalen McMillan, the poster child for that. He really, <laughs> really is. Got got that handful of games in uh, a couple years ago. Um, twenty twenty five, Aaron. Let's. Uh, what do you think? You know, we've talked a lot about it, uh, but I want to hear your thoughts. The strengths of the class, as much as we can say that with with any sort of authority uh, at this uh, moment in time. Right. We do have to be cautious in a way projecting that far out, but I think that the quarterback class appears deep. It might not have the elite guys, the Quinn Ewers or a couple of the guys who are coming up in the 26 class actually, but I think it's really deep and they landed in good spots like Ohio state and Alabama and uh, Texas A&M upcoming program. You know, there's some uh, reason for optimism there from the quarterback class and they weren't slouches in high school by any means. Um, Running backs seem really strong. Um, I, I really think that Singleton could be, like you said, a top three, top four pick overall in the whole C2C landscape and Debbie landscape next year. So that's fair. But yeah, 25, I think Branson, uh, I think Jaden Blue, those are our other top guys who could be in that first round range if they flash enough this season. Is the opportunity going to be there for Jaden Blue? For example, Branson Robinson even? I'm not so sure. I think that they might get on the field a little bit, but... A really unknown, I guess, how much we're actually going to see out of them. But I think it's a nice, deep class at the running back position. I guess my one issue is, you know, at wide receiver, I love Luther Burden. I know you love him, Austin. I saw that you took him pretty early, third or fourth round in a startup draft, which I think is very fair. But after that, I think, I mean, I like Stewart a lot. I know John and I might differ a little bit on how high we have him. But at the end of the day, I think that there's just a lot of depth. And it was hard for me to sift through and really rank those or differentiate, <clears throat> excuse me, those 2025 wide receivers into tiers. So I do think that right now there's a bunch of talent, but I'm, I'm really unsure of the 2025 class from a receiver standpoint. So I guess that's my quick thoughts on the, on that class. 
Yeah, a lot of interesting profiles at receiver that are that are very different. But uh, you know, every everyone kind of has an issue uh, somewhere or the other. There, uh, you you know, you we we've kind of talked about is it a a top three backs in the class? Is it a top four backs? Real quick, so just real quick, Aaron. Uh, Trevante Citizen kind of is a guy that sometimes gets included in that conversation, and a guy that might see the field this year at, at Miami. It's not a, a stellar backfield by any means there. Um, do you think he belongs in that in, in the same sentence as those guys, or are you start a new paragraph with with, with Citizen maybe in, maybe in that one? Yeah, I do have him in that next year, but he is the top of that next year if that makes sense. Okay. So I think that there's a lot of things going for him there. I just want to see him flash even more. So he improved in his senior year for sure. He looked faster, more sharp. Uh, he was really more developed and he has that developed frame overall at six foot, 217 pounds. So I like citizen a lot. I'm not sure how much work he's going to get year one at Miami and he could break into that top tier. I'm just not quite comfortable enough with him right now to put him in that top tier with those other guys who are insanely productive. And I, I know Trevante citizen I've seen some, what, um, seven-on-seven type of clips of him catching the ball, but I'm not exactly sure how dynamic of a receiver he's going to be. But, yeah, I think he's a talented guy, just not one that I'm having in that tier one right now. Well, speaking of, you know, maybe maybe a guy that, you know, tier two or or something like that, um, you know, uh, guys that maybe you you think are really good values and you kind of want to leave drafts with this year, um and i know well you're okay let's i'm just gonna put this rule out real quick guys i i asked you for for a couple answers here um you cannot use a name of a player that you took in this draft already is that is that fair we're four rounds sure. that, that, that crosses a you know a handful of names up each of your lists but a guy that you know going into this draft or or any other draft you you are really targeting as a guy that you hopefully don't want to leave without and uh i guess john do you want to go first or or does that work sure yeah that's okay. fine um sure. Honestly, you know, now that now that we have defined rules, <laughs> that was gonna I was gonna bring up some names that I already drafted. But uh, you know, to be fair, I I've talked about Lou Nichols and how much I I love him as a player, and I actually do think that he can be an NFL player as well. Um, so I, <laughs> yeah, Aaron, you're gonna I be out of draft capital eventually. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I'm honestly, I've been going back and forth and I don't know why I'm saying this, uh, you know, like as we're still in the draft, but I've been going back and forth about what round I'm going to try to target Nichols. Um, and, and obviously he's going to be an amazing college football running back. But I, like I said, I, I also think that he's going to have potential to be a, a quality NFL running back as well. So I'm, I'm really struggling, you know, being, <laughs> being uh, so inexperienced with the, the campus side that you know where to actually draft him. I'm looking at ADP and stuff, and and I just I don't want to get sniped again because this guy right there, uh, you know, he's listening. So <laughs> I definitely don't want to leave, or I yeah, I don't want to leave the draft without Lou Nichols. What what do you think in terms of NFL draft capital? Do you like do you think he could sneak into a day two? He does have NFL size over two twenty. Uh, he caught sixteen passes last year, so it's not like he's a, a nothing uh, in the receiving game. Where how high do you think he can he can go? So actually, uh, like right before I jumped on, I got a, a DM from Dirty Mike in the Boyds ah, uh, at underscore Dirty yes. Mike, and yes. he was he said some very nice things and said he had been listening to the pod and and uh, you know he loved it and all that kind of stuff. But he had listened to our last pod where I was talking about I wanted to do a little more research on 
like how high do G five guys go in you know in the NFL draft? Because I really haven't like obviously I know that they generally don't go all that high, but I didn't ha- know like how high uh, they can go. And you know, I from what he sent me, because uh, he sent he sent me a list and he's like, hey, I just wanted to help out and all that, and I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. So uh, from what he sent me, it's not looking great. <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot of like third, fourths, and fifths and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but honestly, like if he can get a third round pick or be a third round pick, like that'd be pretty amazing. Uh, you know, like we're, we're basically expecting the best running backs to be like a late first or, you know, early to mid second in the NFL draft. So a third round pick for a small school guy would actually be, you know, pretty nice. So I guess that would be the goal, but you know, I definitely can't guarantee it, but I mean, he has, he has everything that you're looking for. He has the production, he has the size, um, I guess like questions and concerns before were kind of like athleticism and bursts and things like that. But even uh, I talked to Aaron before and, you know, kind of talked about how much I love Nichols and he was like, Oh, you know, I don't know if I'm that big of a fan. And then he went and rewatched his tape or like his tape from this year. And he said, Hey, he seems to have a lot more burst and, and things like that. So I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I'm pretty sure that's what he said. <laughs> so, so I think that, you know, if you're, it's not like some small school guy, it's not Deuce Vaughn. That's, you know, like amazing production, but he's five, six and one sixty. you know, like he's five, 10 to 20. Uh, he's exactly what you want an NFL running back to be. Uh, he has the receiving chops. He has all of that. He's just doing it at a small school, but regardless it's campus campus can, you know, like he's going to produce for my campus side regardless of what happens on the NFL side. Aaron, so, you, you know, I just saw you writing that down there. You were, you were taking some notes. So now I guess you, it's time to reciprocate that. Um, so, so who's the guy that you're really targeting here? And maybe we'll get a, our, our first trade out of John after you drop this, this uh, info here. <laughs> well, we talked uh, last podcast it was John, myself, M. Nelly at Analytics, um, and we were talking about Isaiah Nayor and some other wide receivers. And I do think that he is the one that I identify as just being kind of underrated right now. And I think at his ADP, I'm for sure walking away with him in every draft. I don't know that he's going to go this late, but I mean, he's 152 overall in the C2C ADP that I just looked up. Uh, wide receiver 54. And I just think that that's too late for Nair. Um, there's some other guys. I mean, I really like some freshmen that are very low in the ranks, like Brennan Thompson, Denylan Morissette, a couple of those guys. So Brennan Thompson, he's going to Texas. I think he has a bright future in that ascending offense. Honestly, I, I know that there's some question of, is he more of a gadgety type of guy? I think he has enough um, ability as a receiver to end up sticking there and making an impact. And then I think Denylan Morissette, he just lands in a not so attractive spot at Georgia. Uh, but both those 2025 guys, I think have a lot of natural talent. And I think for Morissette's sake, he might not actually be a CFF college producer, at least not a, a big time one, but who knows, maybe Georgia is going to be a little bit more pass happy in the next couple of years as they get better quarterback talent there. And I just think Morissette, he's a, he's a beast. <laughs> I love his film. So I don't want to go too in depth on the things that I like from him, but those are some guys that I really, I don't want to leave the draft without landing those guys. Uh, we'll see if it happens, but I'm high on them. The nice thing about Morissette when you talk about him is that he comps very favorably to Kiaris Jackson, I think who, who's already there. So I think we have an idea uh, if he does get on the field, how Georgia intends to use him, which is nice. It kind of takes away 
a small piece of the guesswork. Now we just have to, you know, figure all the rest of it out. But that it, it does seem like he's he's moderately projectable there as kind of a, a bully slot kind of guy at, at like six foot two hundred. Yeah, absolutely. And the guy, I mean, all the schools were after him, like Alabama, Florida, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Oregon, USC. He did have a lot of um, offers out there, let's just say that. And he was an early enrollee. So I'm optimistic about his chances of even getting on the field as a true freshman. So yeah, that's a good point there. Aaron gave us three names. John, can I get one more out of you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I was actually just thinking about it. Honestly, like I was going to say Isaiah Nair as well. Uh, we've talked about him recently, and, and I definitely like the player. Um, I love the situation, obviously. Um, so I would have said him. But uh, another one that, unfortunately, these are a lot of guys that we've just talked about. So I feel like I'm saying their names over and over and over again. But uh, Jaden Reed. I'd love me some Jaden Reed, and I think that he can be a producer on the college side and you know, possibly be uh, uh, productive for your NFL side eventually as well. Uh, it's another one with question marks of you know what kind of draft capital he'll get in that, but I'm, I'm kind of expecting a big year, so hopefully that would push him up, and I'm definitely uh, higher than on him than most. <laughs> so uh, he's one that I definitely don't want to miss out on. Because even though he is a fifth year senior, I think, you know, we talked about this before where like it's it's not it's not because of COVID necessarily. It's not because of of injuries or whatever. It's because of the old transfer policies. And so, like, I'm not going to count that against people and I'm not going to count it against Reed. Yeah, I mean, he had that and then he had that COVID year, too, where they only played a handful of games. So right. I mean, he, he, he had a tough couple of years there in terms of, you know, nothing that he did wrong but that uh, they kept him off the field there. Aaron, you, you dropped a little nugget here in our chat, uh, pulling back the curtain a little bit about Michael Trigg uh, as we're talking. I have Michael Trigg as my tight end one. Like I have him above Mayer and Bowers. So Oof. what you're saying is music to my ears. He went in the fourth round of this draft and you were saying that you wished that you had been able to get him. Um, how, how highly do you rate uh, uh, Trigg there at Ole Miss? Maybe if you weren't sniping me or so worried about sniping me, you could have gotten Trig. But no, you had to take Josh Downs right in front of me. You know I wanted Josh Downs, and you and you took him. You moved up and you took him. Like worst co-host ever. Using the man's pod against him is just I don't know. <laughs> really I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and that I, I do have Josh Downs in another league, so maybe we can work something out here, John. Um, <laughs> you know, now that I have a share elsewhere, but this guy. Um, this guy. Yeah, what? Where were we? Sorry, no, Michael Trick. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Yeah, going to be my target in the fifth round. But like I said, I I moved up earlier, so to move up, you sometimes got to move down elsewhere. I didn't have a fourth round pick, and he was picked exactly where I would have been picking actually in that same slot. Uh, so I think that that's fair value. I'm actually a little bit surprised to hear you have him ab above a couple of guys who have already done it. But at the same time, I mean, I am such a fan of Michael Trigg on film. He's like a wide receiver out there. So um, I, I really think that it's good to be aggressive on these guys that you really believe in and hit on them. He's probably the cheapest he'll ever be, like you said. I mean, he's kind of, kind of like a freshman. I mean, I know it's his second year in there, but we haven't seen a lot out of him. And he's going to be a featured weapon in that offense that doesn't have a lot of other you know, bona fide passing weapons. So... I really like that take. I was going to take him in the fifth round. Um, I'm not sure. Like I said, that was the slot that I could have drafted him in. The fourth did seem a bit early, but I wouldn't have had an issue with it. Um, yeah, I, th I think that he's a great player. Is this a tight end premium league? 
like small. Okay. Yeah, it's point yeah. five. So, Nothing so crazy. no. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> Interesting. Um, conversely, you know, guys that you want to walk out here with. So let's, you know, let's um, let, let's get some maybe that we think are rated a little too highly out of the way. Uh, and we'll start with you, Aaron, since since John got to kick off the last one. Yeah, um, I can just throw out some names here, sure. and not that I hate these players. I think I just more so hate these ADPs. Um, so Jackson Dart, I think right now, 19 overall in ADP. I just think it's too early. He has not really proven that he's great at this point. He's had some good flashes for sure, just not quite there yet. And he went early in our draft. I He went 2.5. I believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's one. I just think he's too early. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett, who also just went in our draft in the fourth. I just don't think that his production profile really matches what we value him at. To be honest, he had the opportunity this year to really show that, oh, I can take over um, the lion's share of targets in this offense. I can be a target hog when Demas went down. Cause I mean, we like Demas, at least John and I do. And I can't remember. I think we might've mentioned that on our show. Yeah, like we did. Yeah. 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 Demas is, is great. We all like him. Still Jared has not quite done it. So he's living off that potential, like, being a high recruit and having good raw athleticism and having that NFL ready build, it's all appealing, but he just hasn't done it yet. And we see as far as hit rates, as far as guys who are good at the NFL level, you have to demand targets in college. That's for sure. You have to be doing a lot with the ball in your hands. So Raheem Jarrett's another one. And then I'll, I'll say Cameron Ward. So all these guys have been selected already. Cam Ward, he went, uh, what fourth round? He just went, I think Kevin, Kevin Coleman. Uh, Kevin's ah, awesome, by the way. <laughs> Kevin is the Cam Ward guy, so that that, uh, that is very <laughs> on brand for him. It, it is. And you know what? He's a little bit lower in the ADP, and I think the ADP is fine. He's 108 overall, but going in the fourth round, I think it's just too early for a guy that I'm not so sure ever sees an NFL start. So um, those are my picks for, I guess, who's getting too much hype at this stage, maybe some slightly overdrafted or overrated guys. Yeah, some some good names there. Jarrett's an interesting one. Um, Cam Ward, I took him, so I just took him in the late fifth of a draft. Still a little too early for you. As my QB one, he he was the first first quarterback I snagged. Yeah, I think so. But we've okay. talked about your strategy before, and I even was commenting on on John's pick earlier because he asked, "Do you like Buckner? Me drafting Buckner?" I'm like, I do like it. I just liked the fact that I could get Bryce Young early and then really wait a long ways for my next quarterback. So I think, like you said, if that's your QB one, whether it's John drafting Buckner, or you drafting Cam Ward, um, that changes it when it's your first quarterback and you need a guy to really carry maybe your college scoring side of things, or you really want an NFL upside guy. So you take Buckner. Um, so I, I definitely respect those picks. I, I think for Ward, it might be a little bit you, too early. You can tell me I'm, I'm a dummy if you want to. <laughs> I, it, that is, yeah. 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 Uh, a little early. <laughs> honestly with uh with the scoring settings that that we have uh that was one of the reasons why maybe i reached a little bit on buckner um you know i, I felt like i wanted to have that because the same scoring on the campus side as the nfl side and so he has the potential to be an nfl qb at some point but he's you know i also think he's going to help me produce on the the campus side and not to say that there's no other russian qbs available or anything like that obviously there are um and i'm even looking at some of them but I, I think that, you know, I wanted like quality production or, or at least, you know, presumed quality production um, and, and just not to have to worry about that, that QB, uh, you know, area. So <laughs> that's, that's basically why I went with that. 
And two, I mean, just uh, Hendon Hooker's been off the board already, and Malik Cunningham has, has as well. Is that correct? No, Cunningham's, oh, Cunningham's still, still there. there. Okay, because Hooker is kind of you know when you think of uh, rushing quarterbacks, dual threat guys. Right now, he he's definitely uh, near the top of that list. But so is but so is Butchner there. Yeah, um, he went he went in the same round, I think, but uh, or maybe the round before. I don't remember right now, but uh, he Hooker had gone. Um, yeah, we talked last time, or at least on our pod, about uh, about how I feel about Hooker. You know, being twenty five years old and everything. So uh, while he probably will help your campus team a lot, I, I don't know that I truly trust that he's going to be this great NFL QB. <laughs> a couple, a couple of those older guys floating around now because of the uh, the COVID year. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, who are you fading, John? So honestly, I had a lot of the same names, uh, you know, from that Aaron already talked about. Uh, but one that I, I'll bring up is uh, is Devin Brown. Uh, you know, I think that he might be uh, like honestly, I don't even think he went too early in in our draft. But just from what I've heard, I mean, I've heard about people taking him, uh, you know, like one hundred and one uh, in in you know like. Uh, what am I looking for? Uh, like a supplemental draft? Yeah, supplemental. Thank you. My mind just completely went completely blank. But yeah, in a supplemental draft, taking one hundred and one, you know, over some pretty damn good players and everything. And I, I don't like. It's not that I hate the player, but I just you can't guarantee he's going to play in you know for the next two years. And so I just don't know that I that I love that, especially in you know in a campus to Canton league where you know I'm trying to get you know some production as well. So. I think he's going a little too early. Uh, it's not like you know, over, it's not terrible or anything like that. But then beyond that, you had touched on our pod about like any of the twenty-three QBs besides the top two, and I kind of I really agree with you. <laughs> you know, like Keaton Slovis, Will Levis, like all of those. You know, Hendon Hooker. You know, we can go on and on and on. Um, all of them are probably going too high, and I definitely agree with that. Even though, like a Hendon Hooker could probably help you win the campus side this year, you know he he's going in the third or fourth round where you, there's quality players that could help you in campus and in Canton. You know, and I just I don't see that with those players with you know Levies or or whatever. And Anthony Richardson hasn't gone off the board yet, uh, which is kind of surprising. Surprised me. That really yeah, that is that is kind of surprising. And honestly, I've I've looked at him. I'm not a big Anthony Richardson fan, but just the fact of the the rushing scoring and and everything uh, in this league, you know, it, it is intriguing. But I, I don't think he's going to be a good quality NFL player. So uh, I obviously he, he hasn't gone yet. So I, I can't even say that he's being like overdrafted, especially in this league. But I mean, I've heard of people talking about him being a you know a top five QB, and like in that fact, <laughs> obviously, I would assume that he's being overdrafted. <laughs> Hooker's a tough one. Uh, you're saying you're fading him. He only gets one year of college eligibility. So if right. you're not sold on him as an NFL guy, you're you're really banking on one year of really really strong production and then may, maybe nothing. So yeah, I mean that that's a tough sell for for me in the fourth round. And I can get you said Malik Cunningham isn't off the board yet, and he's the same thing. So yeah, um, sounds and, like that. And I would value. I'd be completely like completely uh, off brand if I didn't say I'm fading Tank Bigsby. Uh, I have to say it on every single pod that I'm on, uh, even when I'm not on a pod. I'm saying it on Twitter. I'm saying it wherever. So, yeah, he going way too high, still. Where Where do you think's a reasonable range for Tank Bigsby? <laughs> so, <laughs> I have I have Tank as my RB sixteen overall. Okay. Um, and so you know that I, I guess maybe it's not crazy or anything like that, but you know most people have him as like a top ten running back. I, I assume. And so, 
I'm obviously, a, uh, but I just think that he has obviously potential and, and things, and he's probably going to be drafted in the NFL. So like, I don't hate him by any means, but I, you know, think we kind of touched on this before, but it's like, I, I kind of look at him as like the Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller of the 2023 class. And so he's going to be hype, type, 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 type. And then all of a sudden he's going to be a fourth round pick. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely struggled last year. I have him at 13, so I have him I have him fairly close to you there. Uh, Aaron, are you a, a tank fader as well, or you kind of middle in the road with him, or, or what are you doing with, with Bigsby? I think he's very polarizing. Definitely middle of the road, and yeah, I was never buying into those claims that he was just up there as one of the best or the best uh, running back in the class. Cause that was a takeout there. At there one were a couple places that we won't name on here that, <laughs> yeah, that had that. Yes. So, right. Yes. Right. We can't name those, but, no. uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm kind of in between on them. Maybe not quite as low as John, but I think it's reasonable to temper your expectations because is he going to test really well? Probably not. I mean, we already know in the past he ran a four, six, six. He doesn't seem to have, become any faster with that his efficiency doesn't really reflect explosiveness so i don't know how the testing process will go for tank yeah yeah definitely i mean he uh, rakeem Jarrett kind of like it's they're just guys that are tough to figure out which means you probably just shouldn't take them yeah, yeah that seems to be high. the answer <laughs> at least from the two like from the two of you guys and i agree with that at the end of the day you know if, if i don't know maybe maybe that's a, a guy that i just don't touch uh wherever he's going and let somebody else figure that out yeah, and I will say that Tank is my RB16 on the Debbie side. Uh, so on okay. the C2C side, he would actually be lower than that. <laughs> Who do you have like like uh, immediately above and immediate, immediately below him there? Um, Jamarian Miller okay. uh, is, is uh, directly above him. And then I have, um, let's see, uh, Jalen Mitchell right behind him. Gotcha. Um, so, I mean, you know, like they're in tier four, five, they're in tier five, actually. So I mean, I'm not like in love with these players or anything. Clearly, um, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to be amazing, but uh, just that's kind of where I'd have them. I like, I, I kind of feel like they're either unproven, you know, future picks. And once again, this is for Debbie purposes, but like they're unproven picks um, or unproven players, or they're, they're behind somebody or they're players that haven't really done as much as, you know, like, you know, I feel like they're going to be end up being fourth, fifth round picks in, in the NFL. That's really funny because my Jamorian Miller comp has been Tank Bigsby. So um, <laughs> that, that is fun that you have those two uh, side by side. Um, well, thank you guys so much for hopping on here with me. I think we got through a, a pretty good group of names there. And it's really interesting talking some strategy on startups with, uh, uh, two folks kind of coming into the draft from different you know sides uh, of everything in terms of uh, preparation and experience. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, if you guys are on your way out here, just let everybody know uh, where they can find you, and then uh, we will uh, say good night to the fine people. Aaron, <clears throat> yeah, uh, feel free to follow me over at Twitter at Aaron Wilcox eighty six. And like I said, I hope to be getting out some of those C to C ranks. So and otherwise, um, check out our podcast, Monocle Dynasty podcast, and specifically the Debbie Devotional podcast. If you like this this type of content, um, we've been able to bring on some excellent guests such as yourself, Austin. So thank you, and I uh, just appreciate you uh, having us both on tonight. Really enjoyed it. For sure, for sure. And John, where can we find you? Yeah, so I'm Dynasty Coach A on Twitter. Uh, feel free to DM or, or you know slide into the DMs whenever you you want. Uh, ask me all the questions. I love answering. That's why I put Coach in my name. I I, I love helping people with their teams. 
Obviously, I'm, I'm a lot better at Dynasty, or at least a lot more experienced at Dynasty than I am at Devi. But we're getting there, baby. Uh, you know, you got to start somewhere. So, uh, yeah, obviously, we already talked about the Patreon. Aaron did a great job talking about the pods. Uh, you know, we're, we're actually putting out quite a few of those Devi pods now, uh, whereas we were doing it more like monthly or even, um, you know, bi-monthly before. Uh, and now we're, we're actually kind of spitting them out weekly or at least every other week. So. Uh, definitely, you know, it, it's exciting. I, I love talking about the the recruits and, and the players and, and starting to get into the values. And now that we're actually doing the draft and everything, I can say I've been in the C2C league. So I'm, I'm experienced now. You know? <laughs> well, good luck to you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be keeping tabs on this draft. So uh, we'll see if uh, the friendship is still there, uh, if it can survive uh, the, the full startup here, or if it's just, you know, <laughs> if it's just over after that. Uh, thank you guys very much.